for me, I now refuse to get in the story and everything is a rose. Like if I, if I fall in love with someone and it ends up all going to shit, it's a rose. It was so beautiful. And then the petals had to fall and it's not his fault. It's not my fault because I divinely trust. I just trust. And it doesn't mean it feels good. Like that's the thing so many people are missing out on is that we're not supposed to feel good all the time. We're supposed to feel shitty. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 102 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your host extraordinaire, and today we are deep diving into so much juicy and potent conversation with a fan favorite of the podcast and of the community. Um, If you have been listening since the OGs, uh, you probably remember uh, the episode with Madeline Moon. We talked all things feminine energy and really, I think that was like my first step into understanding what that term even meant and that space. And it has been a long time since she's been on back on the podcast. We're on season five now. And she has been such a beautiful part of my journey um, as an entrepreneur, as a friend, and um, as a a sister, really, it feels like, of um, doing really, really important, honest work in this world. Uh, If you already follow her, you know the goodness that comes from this human. Um, And if you don't and are super new to her work, I'm so excited uh, to introduce you to her and and also just to peel back this conversation. Um, It was truly, truly a beautiful one. So if you are not familiar with Madeline, um, or maybe you only heard her on the podcast way back when, she's really evolved in her work. So I want to update with you with a little bit on what she's been doing. Um, she is, as she calls it, a walking permission slip. And she's committed to radical truth telling in her top 50 ranked podcast, coaching practice, and her various teaching platforms. Um, she is definitely an old soul. <laughs> um, we identify a lot in that space. And she is on a spiritual quest to reveal the art of embodying opposite elements across every spectrum. So water with fire, mystical with realism, alchemy with presence, light, dark, all of that goodness. And um, she has been featured every freaking where, everywhere. Um, and I love I love her so much, and I actually, um, and we talk about this a little bit in the podcast, but I am a part of her incredible society. It's called the Sisu Society. Um, it it reminisced so much about what my Live Your Fuckiest Life membership used to be, um, and it's really focused on embodiment and spirituality, um, but in in terms of how we really click into our, our energy in our bodies, um, and we talk about... Um, a lot of the things that I have personally needed a, a container to practice um, and love to be led in. So, um, you know, I get to be in her sphere in so many ways and it's beautiful. Things we talk about in today's episode range from, you know, where she's been and what, what's been going on for her. We talk a lot about relationships, specifically 
about a relationship that she developed um, through quarantine and uh, what that was like to let go of. And then she moved from you know Woodstock, New York, all the way to LA on like a cross country journey. Um, it's it's so beautiful to witness her quest for truth. And um, we talk a lot about separating from control and what it means to surrender. Uh, we talk about um, how she like falls in love really easily with other humans and how there can often be shame around that. Um, we talk and break free a lot out of outdated perspectives of, lo- of love and, and we'll probably expand your your brain around that. I know it expanded mine talking to her. Um, and we talk a lot about polarity specifically in referencing to like the importance and the beauty of deep diving into pain while still remaining open and that there is so much uh, to be learned from grief and uh, what we often classify as negative emotions as humans, which as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time or following me for a long time, um, or have worked with me, I don't believe in the binary and I don't believe in, uh, good and bad, especially, and, and certainly when it comes to emotions. So, um, we talk about so, so, so many things and I'm just so excited to bring you into her, into your bring her into your sphere amanda get with the lingo um and and really uh deep dive into this conversation so cozy up with us um take yourself on a walk if that feels aligned you know grab a cup of tea and and put your headphones in um or whatever it is that feels most uh beneficial for you in this moment and uh here we go hi madeline welcome back to the pot i can't believe I think it was season one you were on, right? Like really early yeah. on in the season. Now we're yeah. season five, which is kind of fucking insane. Isn't oh my that crazy? God, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I remember. Back. I think I was in. I was in Colorado then. You when were. We did. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So much has happened for us yeah, both. I know it's been like wild, and I was looking back because I think you're episode thirteen. So if you guys want to go back to hear the progression too of like where. Mm-hmm you've come from and like everything that's mm-hmm. happened in your life since because I, I, it's been amazing to watch your journey mm-hmm. um evolve and stuff and obviously since you, I don't want to like do the whole reintroduction and stuff since like we know you you've been on the pod before but I would love to just get some kind of quick like fast fun questions to start off like update and then we can deep dive if that's cool yeah that sounds great okay so number one thing that I've been wanting to ask for all the season five peeps is like how has pandemic life gone for you and like what has been your greatest lesson in this time yeah wow I know this is like a quick fire question yeah we'll we'll deep dive more (laughs) okay cool because we could do a whole podcast on this (laughs) um yeah so the the short answer is that I have learned what it means to truly govern my own life separate from my childhood programming. Mm. Um, so this year I've done 11 plant medicine ceremonies, 11 ayahuasca ceremonies. Wow. And my parents got a divorce and my mother is no longer in my life. So you combine grandmother medicine and Mm. like deep diving into the darkness and shadow and, and, beauty and grace and and just that kind of world also alongside your parents separating and you truly feeling that pain, but then also feeling the part of you that mothers yourself truly, because there's Mm -hmm. no other option, but to have that energy come in. Um, That has been my 
path this year. That's been the biggest lesson that I've learned is is that separation and going deep into the pain of that separation, but also on the other end, the immense beauty on the other side. Of that. Mm, I love that. Has So was plant medicine a big part of your life before, or is that sort of a newer thing for you? That's, so I've done 15 ever, like an all time. I've done 15. I did four in 2018. And so then I did kind of started your progression. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't feel it before. Actually, I did like four nights of of a lot and nothing happened. I didn't have any, any experience at all. So Um, interesting. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone has different opinions about it. It wasn't the right time. I know in my body why it didn't happen mm. then and is partly because of the facility I did it at did not like the facility at all was not the kind of container that I felt the most dropped in with yeah. and I also don't think the medicine was very strong sure. I don't think it was strong at all oh, so it, it waited until this year when I was truly like this I was feeling called towards yeah, it and ready I've been feel it's interesting I've been feeling in the last year like I think this is something I'm ready for. Whereas if you had asked Amanda five years ago, I would have been like, hell no, I'm not doing no drugs because (laughs) like I was such a control freak that the idea of not being in control of a situation Mm -hmm. like with my body felt Mm -hmm. incredibly terrifying to me. But Mm -hmm. I'm now I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. Like, let's, let's drop in and see what happens, you know? So I love that. I think that's great. And, And ayahuasca, especially if that's what you're leaning towards, it's a very, um, you don't go anywhere. Like you're on your mattress. Yeah. You're not walking, you're yeah. not talking. Yeah. And that to me, I really liked that, mm. that aspect of it made me, cause I'm similar to you and like wanting, I'm not anymore. Actually plant medicine changed that completely mm. because it humbles you, Yeah, you know, and, and that's the, the part around wanting to have control over your body and breaking through that, that is the most liberating because there were so many nights when I did ayahuasca in particular that I, it's like my, like my body can immediately go back to this place of being on my hands and knees mm. and like begging for the purge to come, Yeah, you know, and, and for anyone that's hearing that, that has maybe a, a eating disorder background, it is not coming from you. It is coming from the medicine saying, let's get this toxic stuff out yeah. of your body. Yeah, And it's really therapeutic, but it's also... I had experiences like that, that were after the ceremony was over, it was done. And my body was still like, let's keep going. And that's Mm. when my control, the part of me that was like, but the ceremony's done. I need to be done. We need to be done. And I had to surrender and say, no, my body's not done. I'm, I'm still going on this journey. Yeah. It's like even forcing you even out of control beyond the experience, which I love. Yeah. And and, it's, it's so humbling and, and it's beautiful. And um, you also have to feel called to do it. If you don't yeah. feel called to do it and you do it because everyone else is doing it, it's not going to be a good experience. Yeah. I think what I love about living in Chicago is I never feel like those trends are being pushed on me because so few people around me physically, at least, I mean, nobody's around me physically right now because hashtag Corona, but like around me physically just aren't really moving in that space. Mm. And so it's like what actually feels right for me is really my own, which is cool. I like I love that that's great especially in the plant medicine world because I've been in those communities for now, oh like, sure and a half and it really does feel a little pressured yeah it, it totally I imagine so, yeah. yeah that's great okay yeah. um 
I'm just thinking of another question. Ooh, favorite discovery of late? Hmm. Discovery, like, uh, like, um, uh, a new thing or like a belief or anything. Whatever the fuck comes to your brain. Oh, I got it. Gene keys. I knew Gene that was keys, what you were going to say. <laughs> I'm looking at the book here. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that Yes, Gene Keys, I've, I've, like, I've gone way down this rabbit hole, and I'm telling everybody about it. I think it's one of the most powerful tools, way more powerful and exquisite and intricate than astrology, you know, or, or human design to me. Like, and I loved human design, but now yeah. that I've discovered Gene Keys, I'm like, wow, this is astrology plus poetry hmm. plus plus like like fantasy yeah plus god I don't know it's just it's amazing and it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper into uh, just what it means to be on this planet without having to do so much like the whole premise is on being and how you're being and it's a relief. I, like, oh, I scratched yes. the surface with Gene Keys via your podcast um, mm. because you you brought on the founder of Gene Keys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I had never heard of it before you started talking about it. Um, and I was like, okay, obviously going to deep dive because usually the things you resonate with, I do too. <laughs> and so um, I loved it. And I like found out what mine were and it was super fascinating. I have to like deep dive further because I, it really was just the surface yeah. But it yeah. was really interesting. So you guys should look it up for sure. And I'll I'll link that episode in the show notes for you guys too if you want to hop on and, and if you're like curious. Yeah, um, yeah it was a great it was a great episode. He's such a delight to talk to. He's so he was so interesting and like so. his whole experience around um the thing that really stood out from that podcast interview to me was like how his whole life and perspective shifted once he got married and like the partnership within that experience. And like, I just thought that was very interesting because I did not have that personal experience. Like when I got married, nothing felt like shifted in my life. Like it was just like, yeah, okay, now we're legally bound, but like, that's really Mm -hmm. it. But it was very interesting that for him, it was like such a spiritual experience, um, Mm -hmm. especially within the gene key experience too. That was cool. Yeah, there's an actual sequence. So when everyone checks out their charts, you'll see all of this. You can listen to the podcast. I won't go into it. But there is a specific sequence in everyone's profile that's called the Venus sequence, aka the love sequence. Mm. And and I I think that that for him, when he got married and, and had kids, that was when the Venus sequence really became activated. And he 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 now does something called the deep dive. You said you want to do a deep dive and he does like something yeah. called the Venus deep dive. So you look at how love and romance plays out in your, in the arc of your life. And I'm doing, I'm going to do that. It's like a six month virtual retreat with Ooh, him. Learning. So fun. Yeah. You should join. I think it's going to be really cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. So I also love the the relationship aspect to it. I think totally. that's what draws me in the most. Well, I mean, that's your shit. So speaking mm-hmm. of that, like I know you were, when we, when we first interviewed, when I first interviewed you, you were like very in the feminine energy, like moving out of like your masculine. And obviously that's still a big pillar of what you do now. But can you just share a little bit before we deep dive about like what kind of your mission is now and how it's evolved over the last few years mm. and, and what work you do to transform the worlds and the humans within it? Cause it's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. It's such a great question. So, hmm. My message, I believe back then, it was 
truly on the cusp of going into the feminine masculine. Yeah. I really had no idea what I was doing quite yet. <laughs> and I still have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't yet. do we ever. <laughs> we, I don't think we ever, ever do. No. <laughs> so where I'm at now, though, is I've done three years of very intense polarity embodied relationship training. like, And it's including of shadow work and creating art out of my messiness and learning what it means to be energy and where I'm at at this place in my life is this is going to sound so esoteric to people who are very new to polarity and feminine masculine but my the past three years of doing all of this work and trying to get it right to be feminine was great I needed to experience that whole time of trying to learn about the feminine and study about the feminine and take notes about the feminine to be here to where it's actually in my body and Mm. The note taking doesn't feel important anymore. I'm just mm. present. And I realize the deepest presence is is accumulation of both the masculine and the feminine, like being in the moment, being with the moment, you being the moment. And right now, I've never in my life experienced such a profound, profoundly intimate, I'll say, profoundly intimate connection with the divine, where I I quite literally feel like I'm being filled by God all day long. Like when I eat, I'm like opening my mouth and taking in God. And when I sleep and I roll over and I hold my pillow, it's like, I'm like caressing the back of God. Like I just am going into this deep vortex of feeling God in everything. And I I remember hearing about this years ago of that's true tantra is when you see god in the eyes of another and you see god in the plants and that's great that sounds cool but like mm-hmm. how do i be more feminine you know and and now i've gotten to this place where that is to me what the feminine is it's like letting yourself be penetrated by the world and i'm so in love with with all people and i've never truly been this way i wrote a post the other day about how i I felt like I was so needy growing up because I loved people so easily. Mm. I'd go on, I'd go on a bumble date and I'd be the first date and I'd be like, Oh, totally. I can visualize this man at the end of the altar. Oh, you're the same human. Yeah. In this way. (laughs) It's wild. And I, I realized I had so much shame about this of like, why can I, why is it that I could literally fall in love with fucking anybody? anybody Mm. and I'd shame about it because all my girlfriends would be like I think I'm gonna start dating like they'd say something like that and I'd be like that's a thing you just think you might start doing (laughs) like I'm always doing it like I go to the grocery store and I've got my dating hat on like it's Mm. just not something I think about start to do and so (laughs) this year I've had this really effortless transition I didn't even realize until this probably this month when I was reflecting on it that I was never desperate for love or love to try Mm. to get it. It was always that I just love to love. Mm. And once I've unlocked that, now I realize, oh my God, like this is what, this is what the feminine means to me. It's that I, I do love you and I do love you and I do love you. It doesn't mean you get to take anything from me. Mm. It, It really doesn't mean that anything is ever taken from me. That's when we go into codependency. Yeah. I'm trying to get something when yeah. I'm loving you. But I feel so empowered these days by unlocking that 
that ability to love. And I, and watching you too, I have a connection with you watching your journey through dating women and men and being queer and being open. I don't know the ins and outs of all your experiences, yeah. but yeah. I relate. There's, there's something about it that I, I feel very, we're very connected with yeah. just being able to fucking love. And I don't, I don't anymore know if, if I want monogamy in my life. I'm, I'm just like, I just want You're to letting love. It be. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we have such like constructs of what love needs to look like, like placed and like kind of forced into our lives so early on. And, 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 and still the patriarchy is like very much, this is what love is. I mean, it's written in so many texts and it's, and it's, to me, it's always felt so confusing. So when you're, when you're talking about this, I'm like, yes, because it's just about being open. That's what I hear Mm -hmm. and what I feel. It's, it's not about like, I'm giving myself to all these humans. It's just about being open to being present and and mm-hmm. letting whatever needs to unfold with each individual that you're coming in contact with. And it can be as simple as a stranger in the grocery store. And it can also be as deep and as intense as a lover, you know, like, but they're all important. And one is not more valuable than the other. Um, it's all just about being open to it. But I also know that many people listening to this and I know I've had this feeling too is like there's this fear attached to love right you can't often have you often feel like yes I think love is the opposite of fear but also it's like when you do open yourself up you also open yourself up to potentially being left or being hurt or Mm. being betrayed or a whole slew of things that we I think are be told are are negative and and not the ideal way that a relationship should go, right? And mm. and I wonder how that's been for you, if that's been your experience of opening and 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 really fully being present. Like how ha how has the flip side of that coin been? Because I really want to dive into polarity with you, mm. because I think you you express it and you teach it in such a beautiful way that has penetrated me personally as a student of yours, but also is something that I deeply relate to, I think, naturally on just like a cosmic level. And it's it's something that I don't see a lot of people feeling confident enough to step into accessing pain and accessing the other side, you know, the shadow side, the darkness. And we just want love. We don't want the pain attached to the love, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess my question is like, how has that been exploring that for you, you know? And how are you still open? Because I think a lot of people close when they Mm. do open. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm hearing, what what you're saying, a lot of that is the wounded feminine energy. Mm. It's, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. You know, it's hurt. It's all, all it is, is hurt. It's in in it, it, it's, it exists rightfully. So I like to remind people that women have been abused, sold, raped, stoned, dismissed, silenced, coerced, like yeah. everything for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. It's in our lineage. It's in our lineage. Like in, in, in that way and like the very emotional manipulative way and being abused, but then also like physically in our body, we've had lots of pain that we've had to endure from childbirth to having a stick in our mouth to modulate the pain you know like Mm. there's just all these ways that we've tried to stop the flow and protect so now we're living in the 21st century we have rights we have freedom we can have divorce we can have what we want but our bodies don't know it 
So we have to be really compassionate to the part of ourselves that is the wounded feminine and thinks, well, if I just strategize my pain a little bit, maybe I can get what I want. Or maybe if I Mm. cross my arms and I don't actually say, maybe that hurts. And instead I just turn away. Maybe he'll get the message and read my mind because I shouldn't have to fucking say anything. And there, there's no, there's no flow for love in that moment. Love can't flow. It quite literally cannot flow when your arms are closed Mm. or whenever your shoulder is turned. So for, for me, I remember I had this one specific moment. I had quite a few. I, I have this, I had a track record of falling for men who didn't live where I lived and I still do this, but now it's because it's not like a track record. That's bad. It's actually just because the world is very large and I'm connected with people all over and I just love the people all over. But before it was a little tricky thing. There was a few parts that were going on. It's like, I wanted them to rescue me. Mm. I actually wanted to move. So I just kept picking men who didn't live where I lived so that they, it was more of the manipulative energy and there's nothing wrong with, dating someone who lives elsewhere because you want to move and you fully acknowledge all of that. And you're like, you're like sacredly choosing men who there's a difference. But what I was doing is I, I wasn't aware of that and I was manipulating. I was putting it on them. Like you better love me because I love you and you live far away. So you better Mm -hmm. like save me and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I had this one experience with this man who totally blew me out of the water like still to this day I I wildly love him he is an amazing human being he is the epitome of the masculine in my eyes like maybe that's a little cloudy because he's so cute I don't know (laughs) but he is and he's so wonderful and we dated for a bit I flew out and I saw him and then I went back home and then it was his turn to come see me and this was the third time in a row that the man didn't get on the plane to come see me. Mm. It had just happened like probably six months before. Mm. And I went deep into like, why does this always happen to me? Like, why? Yeah. Fuck. I I, like, you know, and in this, I I share this example because it's the same thing we all experience, whether it's getting on or off a plane or it's someone cheating or it's just a a date ending poorly. We ask ourselves, why does this always happen to me? Yeah. The pattern, the repetitive nature of those things. And, And there's a lot of ins and outs of that to look at. Like I just explained what my reason was for that. And once I looked at that, I could clear that you know, by cleansing the palate to stop dating people from afar and just be with my own feeling. Mm. Um, But one of my teachers, her name is Kendra Kunov, I adore her. She was leading this group practice that I was in. We would post our stuff in the Facebook group. And I I remember that day I went into the group and I was like, he was going to come and he got off the plane. This always happens to me. Why the fuck does this keep happening? And then she just said to, to slow down Mm. and be with what is rather than the story. Mm. Super simple, super simple, but not simple in the moment of just what do you feel and reveal that. So I believe I got on and did a video where I just threw a a temper tantrum or I cried or I just screamed for maybe 60 seconds and I fully embodied my anger, my rage, my, my sadness. And at the end of the video, it led into tears, of mm-hmm. course, 
once you get through the, the, the anger, I'm you're like going experiencing to... that in person right now via your yeah. story. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Into it. Oh yeah. And, and it, cause it, it evokes something. Yeah. Like, there was a deep pain that was touched by him getting off that plane of me not being chosen again and again mm-hmm. and again. And it always goes back to parent wounds, you know, it's like, I wasn't chosen. Mm. And when we take those instances of being hurt and being heartbroken and we allow it to penetrate us fully to break us open, the way that I always see this is, is as a rose. And I use this emoji all the time because it's just a beautiful reminder to me that it, a rose is so, so exquisite and beautiful and it's like velvet and bright and its petals have to fall. Mm like you doing theater, you put all this time into a piece of art, you practice, you practice, you create a family and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You do it, you perform, you feel on fire and then you have your last show. Yeah. And it's always so emotional. It's so emotional. And, and would you rather never do any of that at all? Never care? Yeah. Of course not. That's what brings you life. And you always know that when that show closes, you have now room for a new beautiful unique piece of art yeah so that that rose to me is such a symbol for what you're talking about here of or your question around like do we what happens when we want to close and Mm. for me I now refuse to get in the story Mm. and everything is a rose like if I if I fall in love with someone it ends up all going to shit it's a rose Mm. it's so beautiful and then the petals had to fall and it's not his fault. It's not my fault because I divinely trust. I just trust. And it doesn't mean it feels good. Like that's yeah. the thing so many people are missing out on is that we're not supposed to feel good all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to feel shitty. Ugh, totally. It's a hurt. Completely. I think it's so funny because this is something I've now actually embodied into my like day-to-day Amanda practice. But I think before – I was doing it without realizing it because I do theater, because I wear a hat of a different person. And so that container always felt safe to explore all those emotions and go through that. And it always felt so cathartic and so needed for me as a human. But I never really understood why until the last year when I started doing embodied work, when I started actually like taking my practice as an actor and putting it into my day-to-day experience and being like, oh, I can throw – because I feel like some people listening are probably like, what? Like throwing a temper tantrum? Like that's mm-hmm. something you chose to actually do instead of it just like was your emotions taking over, right? But it's like that is a therapeutic, conscious approach to navigating our day-to-day experience. Mm-hmm. And I think right now we're in a season more than ever where we are less connected physically with human beings and our bodies are as a result less connected. And it's like, this is so important and it feels really fucking weird, especially if you're mm-hmm. not used to it, but like having the space to just like let your body go and full on like sob for for 60 seconds even, it doesn't have to be a crazy experience, is so, so healing. And in a way that mm-hmm. I don't think I... I really fully grasped could be for me, the Amanda as a person versus Amanda, the actor, if that makes sense. Mm, yes. Yeah. And something that John talks about often that I think is important, John Wineland, he's one of my teachers, he's that I think is really important to bring in here. <laughs> um, when we feel something fully, so let's say we, we have um, an emotionally blocked woman because she was raised in a family that discouraged emotions and feelings and 
be tough, be strong, get a good job. And now she's doing that. And she mm-hmm. keeps winding up with these super sensitive men who's not, or not, who can't pin her wrists when she wants things mm-hmm. to get hot and heavy. They just can't do it. And she's like, why do I, ah, you know, like <laughs> the reason why she's feeling so blocked and so stuck is not, it's yeah that might be a problem, the kinds of men that she keeps attracting, but it's actually because the part of her that's going to call in the man that knows how to intimately pin her wrist down the way that she wants, she is not making that part of her available for love. Mm. So when we feel like that part of her is, let's call her the sensitive part, it's the sensitive part. When we fully allow ourselves to feel the sensitive part inside of us, there's more of us available to love. Mm. Now that man that she's going to find one day is not only going to love the strong version of her, but is also going to be able to love the soft version of her, the inner child of her, the, the sensual part of her. Because if you're not sensitive, you're also not very sensual, mm. most likely, truly sensual. Um, so we feel all of these different archetypes within us, these different versions of us, so that we can alchemize it and then gift the world. Like, because that's, that's truly what I've been finding so fun about the feminine work is that I realize these different versions of me, the sad version, the happy version, the angry version, the elated version, all of it, it's actually gifting other people. Mm. it's it's a gift to myself absolutely but then I get to take it out into the world and gift other people with those different versions of me so Mm. then there's more versions of me to love and Mm. that can love there's just more available more 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 that's what the feminine wants she wants more Mm. so let's just feel more so that we have more to offer Mm. I love that I just want to sit with that because I feel I feel often that I hear women say the word, well, wanting more is selfish and I should just be happy with what I have. And I think there's a beautiful thing to living in the now, but also wanting to create. And that's something I personally understand energetically and feel energetically. But when it comes to practically, I often feel like my masculine is more in the, in the seat. And I think that's because of the way I was programmed. And I, I do think naturally I am probably... I actually think I am more of like a 50-50 balance, maybe a little bit leaning more on the masculine side. Like I, I tend to be very future focused and, and forward motion driven and I don't like to feel stuck in the same energy. And I, I, but I also will have days where I just want to fully embody my feminine. It's just very interesting Mm yin yang that I feel like I exist within. But I think so, so many women that I know it's this this concept of wanting more and more and more can often feel selfish to them. Like that's not it's not um, allowed. You know that that we should we we've been so taught to like be present, be now, be be happy with what that is. But then there's also this like patriarchal need to want to grow more and more and more. And it's this it's I feel like we've gone almost on a backward swing away from that where it's like just be present, right? That's what every yoga class teaches us. Try to be present with ourselves. Try to be thankful for what we have now. And so then it's like, okay, well, (laughs) if I'm in that space, is it okay to want more? And it's just a very interesting balance that I'm witnessing in a lot of my girlfriends of like the attempt to want to be present, but also feeling feeling selfish for wanting that 
ex- experience and that growth and the the endless amount of love or abundance or whatever. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. The only way you can actually be present is to fully surrender the part to the part of you that wants more. Because mm. you're not at all present if you're trying not to want more. Right. So you're going to want more regardless. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing that, that that is not going away by shaming yourself or mm. wishing it was other. If, if you really knew and you said, okay, I'm forever going to want more, would you still go, but I shouldn't and I'm going to keep trying? Because yeah. that's when it becomes leaky. Yeah. That's yeah. when your requests for more feel like a demand. Mm. You do the very thing you're trying not to do because you're internalizing it. So you, random example, like you want more attention from your partner and you feel really bad for it. So you already have this leaky energy around asking for more attention and it comes out, well, you never pay much attention to me. Damn it. Like, you know, you did the thing that you didn't mean to do when the, the beautiful thing about this polarity work. So I'll give a little taste of something David data has come up with that I love. Yeah. And it's called the three stages. So the first stage in relationship is, um, very much so where a lot of the world is at, where there's closed hearts, some passive aggressiveness, some demands, expectations. If we look at this in an archetype, it would be like the repressive one, the 1960s housewife and the 1960s madman. You know, like it's no one's really empowered. We're all locked into these behaviors that society has given to us. That's where a lot of the world is still at. Like, yeah. yeah, we have empowered jobs and we're living in the 21st century, but our hearts are still closed as if we are disempowered. Yeah. And we all do this. We all do this. I have examples of my last relationship where I was in stage one, where I would say something like, well, you never do that, blah, blah, blah. Like it wasn't the truth of my heart. Mm. So then there's stage two, which is when we start to bring more consciousness into our, um, our communication. It's not quite sexy, but it is getting somewhere. It's what we learn in talk therapy, where we say, when you do that thing, I think, why did he do that thing? And I feel sad. What I wish is, yeah, I Mm -hmm. statements. It's where we're becoming more conscious. So this archetype would be more right now, the 21st century working woman and sensitive man where we're taking on the roles that we didn't have before and we are feeling more empowered and we get from point A to point B mm-hmm. and everyone gets heard. Mm-hmm. So this is beautiful. And we want to spend a lot of time in stage two, stage three. And I'm going to circle back to this whole needing more thing because stage three is where we actually get to play with that. Mm. So stage three is the highest expression. It's where we meet God It's where we create art out of our very true feelings about things or our desires or our, um, like the things we feel really guilty about. We, instead of having a honest stage two conversation, we just go straight to creating art. So here's an example of something I did with my last partner. Um, I felt that he was anxious with me 
and trying to control me. And that's one of my biggest triggers is when Mm -hmm. I feel controlled. Obviously we're talking about how we love to love. Mm -hmm. And when I feel like my flow of love is a threat to somebody else, I want to caretake. So it's not his fault, but I'll dim my own light to make him feel more comfortable. And then I resent this. Yep. Here we go. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Then I'll resent him for it, Yeah. you know, and I'll blame him, but it's really my, my responsibility. And sometimes my responsibility means leaving the relationship which is what I ended up doing. Yeah. It wasn't just to, it's my responsibility to keep loving and also be with you. No, my responsibility was that this relationship was hurting him and it was hurting me. So I left mm. eventually after putting in the work. Yeah. And part of the way that I put in the work, when this issue started coming up more apparently, we took about three days of separation and a break. And during that time, I was like, okay, how do I stage three this? Mm. Whether or not, we stay together. How do I actually gift him? How do I gift him in this moment with the thing I'm really fucking pissed at him? Like we were yelling mad and I was like, I'm going to gift him. I'm going to gift him something. So I got this uh, harness that I have, this black leather harness. My nipples were out. Like it was super sexy. I set up my camera and then I laid out my mat and I played this really awesome, like sexy song. It's called Ain't angels i think by massive attack or something like that see Um, if i can find it (laughs) yeah i'll I'll look it up and i'll send it to you okay i was wearing a nightgown over it and then i during the song i'm dancing like on the ground all sexy and i take off it and then i'm wearing like this harness and nothing else underneath it and it's a harness so it's like it's like um like it but not a cage but it's It's holding you in holding me in so to me it was a metaphor for him trying to control me yeah for sure and so I'm gifting him my feminine, my body, and then I get up close to the to the phone and I'm like, you can't fucking control me and just do this little dance for him. So for me, that was a way I was creating this beautiful piece of art to give him and it was instead also of saying a gift for you too in the same moment. Such a gift for me. Yeah. And so instead of saying, fine, I'm going to withhold. I'm not going to mm. tell him how I feel. I'm not going to show him my body. I'm not going to punish, 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 punish. That is the way of our past. Mm. We're done with punishing. That is the stage three. It's that we leave behind all of our resentments and tit for tat and methods of punishment. And we go into the ethereal, into creating art out of what's mm. very true. And that opened the moment. You know, yeah. he was like, wow, I have some things to say to that person, <laughs> to that version of you about control. Okay. And then I was really excited. I was like, mm, my feminine, like we can use our dark bits to feel even more fucking alive. Mm. So I was being a little girl too. I was being in stage one of like, you can't control me. Mm-hmm. But by me taking my very real stage one feelings of don't control me and then combining it with my sex, I actually felt liberated by mm-hmm. my fear. Yeah. And we can do this with feeling like wanting more, um, like being a, pardon me for saying this but I, I've worked with this archetype before being a crack whore for love I was like you don't have to pardon yourself for anything on this podcast <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this if they're like, oh no super sensitive material uh, yeah absolutely never <laughs> and you get this from doing theater and doing art and like going into these yeah. archetypes I've I've acted out being a crack whore for love I put like lipstick all over my face and I got closer with the camera and I was like I need more love that's the truth of my heart and I created art out of it yeah which is I think something that 
is so beautiful and as an artist something that feels really accessible to me and if you're listening to this I want to empower you to like try this for yourself and it's gonna feel fucking weird especially if you're not used to like embodying anything of the sort um but it really is such powerful work um and we'll talk more about how they can get more involved with you and stuff at the end of this episode but I just I really want to empower you to like not just hear this as something oh that's so beautiful that like they're feeling called to this work but like that's not for me if Mm. you're feeling that way it probably means it is right for you so I just want to put that into the ether I also want to say that I think the way that you talked and are, are have been talking about your previous and most recent relationship ending and coming to a close is so beautiful. And it is a reflection of your, you know, what you talked about earlier about the rose, which I think that mm. as, as somebody who's had relationships end in ways that I don't feel like have ended that way for me, at least, um, it's really hard to often see like a closure or an adjustment of a relationship maybe you you can find a way to be friends and so it's it's still there they're still in your life but it's changed or maybe they've left altogether I think most people identify those things as really negative experiences in their life really challenging Mm. and so I wonder has it always been your perspective around relationships ending and if not like how did have you gotten there and like what has that process been Mm. like because I think I think it's very foreign concept to a lot of humans. Yeah. I love that you asked this because I've been thinking about this recently as well. And I, I believe that the way that we end relationships, we, the way that our culture starts to end relationships is going to do a lot of karmic healing. Mm. There's way more healing in separating with love than coming together with love. Mm. It's so much harder to do. So much harder to do. And you have to release you can only do what you can do like in, in, so the past several breakups that I've had or separations have been exactly that they've been really healing and tender and kind and painful. It's almost like the more tender and kind it is, the more painful it is. Yeah. That's why we don't do it. That's why so many people end up saying, fuck you. They slam the door, they pack up their bags and then they leave. Yeah. My perspective is why would you ever spend time in relationship with someone that you wouldn't want to spend time with outside of relationship with them? Mm. And that's, I think that's one of the the things that makes me a little different because that, and I'm sure you relate to it too, but Mm -hmm. that, that just makes sense to me Mm -hmm. where it doesn't make sense to other people. A lot of things make sense in my head that apparently don't make sense to other people. Yeah. (laughs) Like one time this is, this might, everyone might be like, this is so fucking weird, but when my last partner and I were really, really fighting on the verge of breaking up before just skipping over to breaking up, I was like, how about we just do a regular thing? We just take off the labels. We're no longer boyfriend, girlfriend, but like we live together and we'll just see what it feels like if there's no labels. Yeah. To me, that made sense. I was like, labels can, can Can alter things. It cause expectations for sure. Yeah, and that didn't make any sense to him at all. But to me, I was like, I was like, this makes total sense. Like, Like, why do you not get this? (laughs) I don't understand. So, with with that relationship and with that ending, um, you know, I I have to release how he has responded to it. He's of the he's of the nature of no more talking ever again. Oh, so I have I'm here. I'm available with love, but like I also have to understand that. I left 
where he lived I got I got in my car and I left because we were in New York together and so he's having his own experience and I release that I can't say well I'm showing up with love so you should too why don't you want to so I'm giving him his space Mm. I feel that the separation was really clean Mm -hmm. as clean as it could be with two people that were separating and uh there was still a lot of emotion especially like it was a very heated situation yeah um but the ones before that it, it was really tender and really sweet and they're one of them is one of my bestest friends now and that's the way that I think relationships hmm. I'm not gonna say should be but that's the direction that wow just imagine if all of our endings were with care hmm. where we're we're holding each other like how much resilience would we have to create in our bodies to be able to love someone without owning them anymore? Thank you for saying that because the ownership piece I think is everything. Mm-hmm. I've And I've, in the last six months, I have had so many experiences with human beings that I have come to really care for and love where it's like night and day in terms of how my relationship is with them now based on how they operate from an ownership standpoint. Like Mm -hmm. I have one instance where that person believed is very much in the same belief system of you and I, that there's like more love and it's like what is meant to be is meant to be. And that there, it doesn't need to be this like full throttle. Like our relationship is over as it was. And that means we can no longer be in this new world's, as you know whatever that's going to look like and I can still love you but it just is going to the container is going to look different right and that was because it was there was no sense of ownership in that relationship or in that person's perspective or in mine but in another relationship you know that person only ever knew this sense of ownership and codependency within a significant relationship in their life and because of that it led for our relationship to disintegrate in like the most catastrophic way that I could ever imagine and it caused so much pain for both of us as a result that I I feel like just never needed to exist and Hmm. I often feel like what I see in the world as love and as defined as love by many is really ownership and is not love and I'm curious like you because you use that word like how how do we get out of that space if that is how we've been living because I think Honestly, I think we've been taught between the financial, you know, piece of how things came together in the 70s, 60s and 70s, you know, like that, well, like, and even people who have arranged marriages, it's almost like there's an ownership component to that. But also the perspective that I see with a lot of couples um, where it's like, okay, I'm in this relationship with you and now we have to do everything together. And if you do something without me, you know, mm. that's not okay. Yeah. Like it, it literally makes me want to throw Ugh, up trauma in my body. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even just the concept of like, you cannot have a friend mm-hmm. that is, you know, the same sex as me, because that means that, you know, that's against what is okay for this relationship. And that feels very, very ownership. And I just, I don't, I don't resonate with it. I don't personally get it, but I see it so often in relationship. And I'm curious your perspective on this. Yeah. So my, my arc and my relationships has started from the most repressive Mm. Southern Baptist conservative Republican. Like when I was, when I was 17, I was bred to be a soon to be childbearing 
wife to a Christian man and not nothing, nothing is wrong with this. It's just, it wasn't my path. Yeah. And so I started there wearing the true love weights ring. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's basically I don't wearing know what a ring. That is. <laughs> you're wearing a ring saying that you're married to God until you're married to a man. Oh, you're wow. going to wait to have sex until you're with. So this man. is different than a promise ring. Different from a promise okay. ring. Yeah, your mom gives you this or your dad gives you this. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, okay. so I wore this ring saying I was going to wait to have sex. Like, you know, was, you could be find a Christian man, blah, blah, blah. Everything was what my parents told me I had to have. Yeah. And so I was on the lookout for a husband from, from 15 to 18 to 22 to 25 to mm. 26. And then when I was 26 was when I started to finally realize it. I was living with a man who... I was supposed to be engaged to if we were going to live together and a whole bunch of events happened, which led to me booking a one way to Vietnam and saying, fuck this shit. Mm. And then that trip of like truly spreading my wings, going to a different country when my parents said, don't do that. You'll, you'll, you'll never be safe. And this boyfriend saying, I promise I'll be everything you want. I promise and me just saying, no, I have to go. I know this is what's right. And then all these different things, all these different relationships I've been in, have finally led me to this point, you know, Mm. of of being here and being so far disconnected from the ownership mindset and really deep diving into polarity and in the stage three of art and gifting men and practicing with men who weren't, I didn't even know their name, like doing these workshops where we're doing intimacy work with men. I don't even know. Like that has truly allowed me to realize, oh my God, love is fucking free. I don't know this man's name and I'm like sitting on his lap and holding eye contact with him and loving him mm-hmm. and how beautiful that is. And I think once I've experienced that level of free love is when I, is when I truly like I, I'm, I was sold. I was like, I'm never going to be in a relationship that threatens my ability to just love. Mm. And so the question around how do we move through this, there's several different pieces. The first most important piece is the stage two I was talking about of communicating. You can't just walk around loving everybody yeah. and like flirting with the world and expect your partner to be okay with it if you don't know how to put words to it. Yeah. And, and if you don't have them. a shared meaning of what it is that you're doing within your relationship yeah. and partnership. Yeah. You have to hold space for their jealousy mm. too. Like jealousy can be hot. You mm-hmm. can actually play with jealousy a lot. It's also super normal. It's super normal. Yeah. It's so normal. It's when we repress our jealousy that shit goes wrong or we exploit our jealousy and let it be explosive all over the place. Completely. We want to have a healthy understanding that we're still human. Like we still have this in our ancestry of wanting to be protected and mm. wanting to own. Like honor the wanting to own. Mm honor it doesn't have to run the show but honor the part of you that wants to be claimed yeah wants to own that's so fucking hot i love it it's a big part of kink yeah it's a big part of kink yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's when it gets leaky so communication of course is the most important thing of oh i feel really jealous right now like being able to say that and then the partner saying oh tell me more Mm. you know holding space for each other in that way and then the the next layer when we're going deeper is really looking at when that part of you wants to own. I'm talking to the, the person that primarily wants to own. Like when you notice you're wanting to own someone, where is that coming from? You mm-hmm. know, I know it's such, such a simple question, but there's a piece around worthiness there. 
you wouldn't need to own something if you truly believed it wasn't going to just fly away. Yeah. It's a safety and, thing. And, and perhaps it does fly away. Mm. You know, that's also a possibility is that your worst nightmare that you no longer get to keep this precious thing comes true. Mm. But then, you know, when you're stripped bare and naked and raw and by yourself with your mommy and daddy wounds and your heartbreak and your, your rose petals that are now dark, dark red on the floor being trampled, can you still feel God? Can you still feel alive? Can you still feel the pulse of love that's beating in your body, even if you don't have a place to direct it towards? Can you just feel it blasting out? Mm. So <laughs> a lot of this work is exactly that. It's work and it takes a while and it takes training and consistency and practice. And it's, it's so fucking painful. So welcome in the pain. You'll never feel more pain than when you actually sit with your own jealousy and desire to own because that's when you come the closest to your fear of yeah. your worthiness. Yeah. And it all comes from, like you said at the beginning of this, like from our wounds from when we were kids, you know, mm-hmm. at, the, at the heart of it. And so having an awareness of that too can be – is such a beautiful thing. Like yeah. it's given a game changer for me of understanding, oh, like this is this is activating for me why not because of this these per- this person's actions this is not on them this is on me like my reaction is because oh this is a wound for me and i'm this is exposing that wound and so now i can get to know myself in a deeper way get them to know me in a deeper way by expressing what's happening and do it in an honest way and, and have that communication but it's it is such a game changer and i love it and i love witnessing you in this moment because i know you're going through all of that. I mean, not only uh, like were you going through a, a closing of a partnership, but and also with your your family, but mm-hmm. also like you just moved across the fucking country, <laughs> yeah. like which is wild, uh, crazy. And you were just like, "Yep, I'm going to L.A." From we were were you in New York, Woodstock? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is like uh, which is to so some people would probably be like, "Wow, like I could never do that," you know. Yeah. But for you, it was obviously clearly very much what your soul needed. Yeah, that that's been something I've learned about myself over the past seven years. Like, I I was raised to think stationary is the way to go, but my soul has always been really fluid. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to, and I I'm now I'm finally like, oh, like it, if I look at my the past like ten years of my life, it's just constant moving. It's constant moving always Mm -hmm. it's not because I'm running it's because I'm seeing it's because I'm just flowing yeah and at some point in my life I may sit still and and then I'll learn how to flow energetically but for now I'm like I really love being able to put my stuff in storage and just keep bebopping around and do a 43 hour car drive and see what happens and what's brought to me and yeah why not totally I love that and I get that energy deeply that's why I think I felt a little stifled in the last however long we've been in quarantine basically because mm. the lack of traveling has just I'm used to going somewhere every month to to flex that muscle because yes I have a home base and I love my theater community here and I can't imagine leaving that as my place and the space and the flow is like so clutch and needed for me as a human and I I felt stifled as a result going to my cabin in Canada for 3 weeks like over my mm. break between podcast seasons was like the ne- most needed thing I've ever done <laughs> Like it just was like a breath of fresh air to my heart. So I deeply get that. Okay. I feel like we could talk forever. Um, but I want to make sure before we wrap that peeps know how, like what you're up to right now, how, what things you're offering. There is the CSU Society, which I want you 
talk mm. about because it is such a gift and such a game changer. And yeah, just share how people can get connected with you and, and work with you more closely. And Thank also, you. I want to hear about your book too. So, oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. So thank you so much for introducing the Sisu Society. This is one of my babies. I'm so grateful for its um, birth during this crazy year. I had this vision of creating a feminine practice group, a group that could really go deep into embodiment practices and, and cultivate their feminine but also bring alongside the masculine because that's something I see missing from a lot of feminine groups mm -hmm. is also how do we create a strong spine with our soft heart? Mm -hmm. How do we breathe when we're really uncomfortable? How do we have feminine responsibility? Mm. Cultivating responsibility for our chaos, for our yeah. emotions, for our wild heart. So this group, Sisu, means extraordinary determination and grit. It is a Finnish word, and I've been in love with it since I heard it probably five years ago. And the Sisu Society is now this, I think we have 180 women in it. And there's two calls every month. We do embodiment practices, Q&A, teachings on how to love in the way that you always wanted to be loved and how to have feminine expression and to reveal and archetypes and shadow work and there's a private facebook group which is quite beautifully active which is really exciting to see it growing mm -hmm. and tons of resources and and just a safe space to nurture and develop your own feminine so that can be found and you can read more and sign up at maddiemoon.com forward slash sisu dash society and all that is going to be in the show notes everything for awesome. maddie and stuff yeah wonderful and then, of course, I have my podcast, which has been around six and a half years, Mind Body Musings, and lots of wonderful conversations on feminine and masculine and shadow work and all sorts of different things. And then I'm the most active on social media on Instagram, and that is Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N Moon. And... You know, my book's a bit of a secret. Okay. I haven't really <laughs> talked much about my book, so I'll just share that it is um it is going to be humorous mm -hmm. and it has to do with the spiritual world and things i find absolutely delightfully hilarious about how the new age world works mm. and it's a novel so it's gonna love like, that yeah it's really it's fun a and i wrote muscle to flex for you totally yeah. i i wrote 180 pages of it already and i completely started from scratch because i realized that i was creating kind of like a spiritual mm. nonfiction book. Mm. And I was like, no, fuck that. I need to go darker. I need to go deeper. I need to make this be like really an escape for mm. people because you don't pick up a fiction book if you want to learn a profound lesson. No. You want to go to a different yeah, world. Totally, so yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But the book writing process can be such a wild adventure. So I'm I'm excited to hear more about it as it goes on. But I'm I'm excited to read it too once once it finally comes out. So yeah. make sure to follow Mads and also like get all of her stuff and get into her 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 shit. And the CSU Society is amazing. I'm in there. So come in, enjoy the practice and just like really connect to your embodied feminine because it is it's really transformative work. And if you're not, if you can't really explain it until you're into it, until you're doing mm -hmm. it. And so just try it and see if you love it. And would love to see you in there. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on season five and, and, and kicking off the, kicking off the season. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. 
Thank you, Maddie, so much for coming on today's episode and chatting with us. And for all the things we talk about, you can check them out in the show notes or head over to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash one zero two. And as always, if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Um, You can also uh, head over to iTunes and leave a rating, review, all that good stuff. It helps so much in terms of getting the podcast out to the to the eyeballs of the humans who need to hear this messaging the most. And um, and that's because of you and all of your support and the best freaking community. You live your fuck yes lifers. Just give me so much life. And I appreciate you so, so, so much. Uh, so yeah, we're kicking off. We're kicking off this season with such a bang. Um, and I am so deeply honored to share the wavelengths with you guys and be in your earbuds and that you spent the last hour of your time uh really absorbing this this beautiful conversation and again go and uh, connect with maddie and and really uh get in her sphere thank her for uh giving her time for for this work and this space and um you know what you learned the most you can feel free to share that with her or reach out to me on instagram and amanda catherine loy and do the same i'm always 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 up for a long ass conversation in my dms so i adore you guys and until next week i'll see you on the flip side bye-bye